bring the heart. It's time to get loud. Let's go! Because this is Betfred Super League. Bring it on. Welcome along to another edition of Eddie and Steve-O, the podcast, Rugby League's finest and sponsored, along with everything else in Rugby League by our friends at Betfred. Well, we've had State of Origin 2 over the past seven days, a full round of Super League fixtures, the Pacific nations have been in action, so as usual, plenty to talk about. But first, we begin with some really sad news, and Harry Gration, MBE, host of BBC's Look North programme in Yorkshire, and a great rugby league supporter and broadcaster over the years, sadly passed away on Friday at the tender age of just 71. Steve-O, this is devastating news for us. He was a great guy. Uh, wonderful fellow, and a lot of people don't realise that uh, he, he made millions, you know, for charity. Um, he was a, a, a tremendous man, and at 71, uh, it's too early to go. Rest in peace, my friend. Indeed so. Yeah, you're right. He raised almost £2 million for his chosen charities. He did all sorts of things. He went on uh, marathon runs. He went on bike rides. He was a a fantastic character, much loved by everyone who knew him and certainly by all the viewers over in Yorkshire, no doubt about that. A great broadcaster. He was indeed. And, And, you know, if it wasn't for him, you and I might never have got together all those years ago I remember it was the start of the 1985 year 1985 and uh, Harry had an offer to go to uh, Grandstand in London and he was the uh, commentator on BBC Radio BBC Radio 2 as it was it would be Radio 5 Live now and we'd gone through I was the producer we'd gone through the list of of people who were commentating for, for the BBC and he said to me, the back end of 84, beginning of 85, look, I've got this opportunity. I won't be able to do the Challenge Cup in 1985. And my heart sank. I said, Harry, for good... I said, look, we've, we've really... We, we, we've gone through everybody. What on earth am I going to do? Because I was the producer at the time. What on earth am I going to do to get a new commentator? And he looked me straight in the eye and he said, why don't you have a go yourself? I said, look, hang on. I said, you've got to be joking. I said, there's <laughs> 13 players on the field, two subs, so that's 30. It's played in winter, inches deep in mud. I don't know the players. I don't know the game. I won't be able to see the numbers. I don't know the rules, people say. I still don't know the rules. I'm going to say, nothing changed. <laughs> Definitely not, no. And I, but he said, have a go. You will love it. And I did. And I loved every minute of it. And three years later, you and I got together in Sydney for the 1988 tour. 
and who knows what might have happened had that decision not been made fate fate played a part and I'll thank him for that for the rest of my life yeah he uh, was a great great guy um, and I'm, I'm glad that he introduced you to the greatest game of all Eddie because uh, uh, I have to admit that uh, it was such a pleasure to have been at your side as a co-commentator <laughs> for so many many years Harry Gration you know he's gone but he will he will never be forgotten now look on a happier note another broadcasting legend the one and only Ian Proctor the brain of rugby league not only on Sky but throughout this nation he celebrated a birthday yesterday Ian Proctor Steve-O is 68 years old he looks 18 for goodness sake he doesn't look 68 does he <laughs> he's never he's never changed and happy birthday to a man that not only is the best information man on earth in regards to rugby league and I don't care what country you come from Prockers knows everything about rugby league and without him Eddie you and I would never have had success definitely not definitely not he he, he helped us he, and of course Neville Smith's pictures as well helped us but you know Ian you me and Nev we were the Beatles. We were the Beatles of Sky Sports all, for all those years, oh, the four of us. Hang on. Hang on. We, we were the Fab I know, Four. I know you were born and bred in Liverpool, but that, <laughs> that, might, be, that might be a bit too much to, to ask. <laughs> well, we were the I, Fab I'll tell four. you what, if, if that's the case, then, uh, then Ian Proctor is Paul McCartney. All <laughs> <laughs> right, look, on to the action from, from last weekend now. And... Um, St. Helens 42, Leeds 12. Leeds ended up with 11 men. Discipline, Steve-O. Discipline is a problem at Headingley. Three men have been banned this week. Harry Newman, Bodine Thompson and Zane Tatevano. Tatevano for the fifth time banned in two seasons. Rowan Smith, the new coach, a huge job, a huge job on his hands to sort the discipline out and sort the rhinos out because it looks like their season's done and dusted already well it appears that way um, they've have, they have struggled well before Smith came on board uh, obviously Smith perhaps would have tried to instill a lot more energy into the team and by doing that uh, sometimes you, you can build the players up to a point where they're at bursting point he obviously has seen all the videos of, of the games before. But as you say, Eddie, he, he has a real big problem, mainly due to the fact that if this continues on, he'll be struggling to get a team. Well, he will. And, you know, it's 11 straight defeats now against St. Helens for Leeds. We've all, we always talked about it as one of the, the marquee fixtures of the season. Saints against Leeds, grand finals galore, remember? And, and Leeds... In the main, they got the better of uh, St. Helens in those grand finals. But, I mean, something's gone drastically wrong at Headingley. Look where they are in the table. Yeah, uh, it is disappointing. Uh, it always was one of the cream games between Saints and Leeds. Uh, the one thing that perhaps has shocked me over the years, there's been a decline in regards to the amount of juniors, young juniors, that have been given the opportunity in the first grade. They've always had a very, very good reserve side. They've always had a very good junior side. 
and the build-up. There was no no team better than Leeds. All the young kids that came out of amateur, they got signed up. The key position to be signed was to go to Headingley. And I'm afraid, I think, that, that Leeds has gone down that track of maybe getting too many overseas players. Maybe the, the interest of youngsters going, maybe they want to go elsewhere, Wigan, Saints, all over the place, Hull. But um, they were always the leaders in developing players. Uh, maybe too many players... Maybe they got too many amateurs. Maybe they, you know, they signed too many, and didn't have the opportunity to give the chance. I can remember that one guy who came at I played at Shaw Cross, and one guy was signed to go to Leeds, and on a on a contract which was outstanding at that time. I'm talking about uh, the sixties, and you got to a point where you had to play ten games to get the full contract and the amount of players that they let go after eight or nine games was amazing trying to get too many juniors in that in that area um maybe maybe that's the same problem now but it's not going to be easy for smith to get get them to understand control out on the field of play because you can train them you can give them advice it's when you get out onto that paddock for 80 minutes, that's what counts. And it's not going to be easy for Smith. It certainly isn't. And it's, it still isn't easy for Daryl Powell, although Warrington did get the win 4-0 against Hull. Look, I've got to be honest, Steve-O. In, <laughs> in 40 years of watching and loving this sport, this was the worst game I have ever seen. Defences, OK, they were all right. But no tries, obviously. The match a bit disrupted by injuries and head knocks. But for goodness sake, clueless. Both sides clueless on attack. I have to say that uh, I didn't see the end of it. Um, <laughs> no wonder you switched off. <laughs> I fell, no, I fell asleep. Uh, no, I'm only joking. Uh, two sides desperate to try to get themselves organised, especially Warrington. I mean, that must have been a, I mean, a, a big, big problem for them because at what they'd, they'd lost five on the trot and 4-0 against Hull. Hull is struggling as well. But it'll be a relief for Darrell Powell. He won't care what the scoreline was. He won't care about whether they, were, whether they were throwing the ball with gay abandon. All he knows is he's got the vital two points. It, it's obvious to me... Powell's got there and said, right, it's in with the young and out with the old. He is getting rid of all the people that he does not think is the future for Warrington. And a lot of fans, they're not liking it. They're not saying, they say that he's not a good coach, etc. and so forth, because they're losing so many games. But there comes a time and we've just discussed Leeds, they're doing the, they're having to do the same thing, is to have a clear out and start from scratch and build a new team. It's whether Warrington officials are going to allow him the time to do that. 
Well, I believe they are. I believe they're giving him all the time in the world. Uh, and he did say, with a little twinkle in his eye uh, after the match, a win's a win. But the clear out, Steve, you're right. It's begun and it's gathering pace. Josh Charnley has now gone to Lee. Uh, Jake Wardle, surprisingly, has come across from Huddersfield in a swap deal for Toby King. Now, when Toby King was available 12, 18 months ago, everybody, a little bit like George Williams, everybody in the Super League wanted Toby King. I just wonder who's got the better deal out of this. Jake Wardle's just well, played for England, of course, hasn't he? Yeah, I think we, uh, we have to try to go underneath and finding out a lot of reasons why certain players move etc and so forth maybe they didn't like the coach maybe they didn't like the way that they, they've been handled put in a different position or whatever um, rugby league players can be quite funny and I don't mean ha ha they <laughs> can be a bit awkward and I suppose in many ways one coach he won't have the support from every single player in the team and in the club it, it's impossible for you to get that because there are times when you've got to say right Harry Bloggs I'm dropping you blah 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 it's not easy for a player to say okay I understand it because they'll say well why and it, it, it's difficult it's a difficult position and uh, I can understand what Daryl Powell is going through I think we all can, and I think that the, the Warrington board will give him the time and, and yet more bad news for him in the past 24 hours or so. Joe Philbin now is propped forward out for the rest of the year. He was injured last weekend. Now then, look, Wigan, they hammered Toulouse. Uh, it gets worse for Toulouse, but the hot month of July approaches for them. Four straight home games and a magic match against Wakefield. It's now or never. It's now or never for the Toulouse Olympic team, Stevo. It certainly is. And, and when you look at uh, how Wakefield performed against Salford, wow, 74 points conceded. That's just incredible. It is. And, and I'm not surprised that the Wakefield coach has apologised to the fans. I mean, it, it, you just seem to think in this modern day, how on earth can you concede 74 points? Uh, I, I thought it was a misprint when I, when I looked <laughs> it up. And, uh, but it wasn't a, a misprint. And Salford, fair play to them. They're playing some very fast open rugby league, but I didn't think they'd be able to score 74 points. Embarrassing. Very much so. Very much so. And as I say... They've got to face Toulouse now, Wakefield, at the Magic Weekend in Newcastle in a fortnight's time. And um, this four straight home games for Toulouse is looming. If they win all of them and they beat Wakefield at Magic, you never know. They could survive, Steve-O. And who would go down? Uh, yeah. yeah, and if, if you're going to be playing in 70-plus degrees down there in the south of France, uh, it won't be easy. It will not be easy for them. But can they do it? They'll have all the confidence in the world. And as you say, you know, summertime. Oh, oh. Uh, talking about the bottom, yes. But what about the top? I think it's done and dusted. Top four? I don't think anybody can catch them, can they? 
I don't think so, no. I mean, it looks settled, doesn't it? Uh, Huddersfield in third, Catalan beaten uh, in Golden Point by Castleford. They're on 22 points uh, in fourth and six points. Those four now, Castleford, uh, Catalan rather, are six points clear of the field. Looks like the top four's done and dusted. All we're chasing now is positions five and six for those playoffs. And yeah, I, I I thought it was a, a, a pretty good pretty good win by Castleford as well. They've had their ups and downs. New coach trying to bring sort some things out and this that, and the other. Um, the field goal, people say, oh, it's a waste of time. You tell <laughs> that to the uh, the Tiger fans, <laughs> they'll be beaming. They've got. If you look at the the ones outside that are fighting for fifth and sixth and having a chance to get in the playoffs. Uh, you'd have to look at Castleford as being perhaps the team that could turn it around and come out with a shock. Yeah, you never know. You never know, because Hulkingston Rovers are, are, are in a spot of trouble still. Um, they were beaten badly at home by Huddersfield in a repeat of the Cup semi-final win for the Giants. Sixth win in a row for them. Injuries uh, to Hulkingston Rovers players, Ryan Hall, Jez Litton, Mikey Lewis and George King on the day. And King and Hall already ruled out of the trip to Toulouse this weekend. So, there is a chance. There is a chance for Toulouse again. Yep. Yep. It's uh, It's been disaster, hasn't it? Uh, it? It's been disaster ever since the coach decided <laughs> it was finishing this year. And a lot of play, a lot of people are saying exactly what what we're about to say now is that uh, once the announcement was out, they've gone backwards. Well, they have. There's no question about that. I mean, the fans are still uh, keeping the faith. To be fair, I listened to a, a podcast this week involving Paul Lakin, the CEO at um, at Hulkingston Rovers. He said when when the announcement came, it was chaos. Absolute chaos, he said. We, we didn't know it was coming. Came out of the blue, and they have not recovered. Now, people will say it's not down to the coach. It's down to the players, but something's gone badly wrong. And we say this every week. Well, everyone that supports Hulkings and Rose will be saying exactly that. And let's not forget, it was only a few days before they went with a chance of actually going to, going to the Challenge Cup final. Yes, that's true. Why on earth would you? Why on earth would you announce something like that when you were on a roll? They had the opportunity, they had the enthusiasm, and it just blew up. It's like a pin pricking the balloon. Poof, gone. That affected the team, the club, all the players, and the fans. It was doom. It was, but I bet if you mention it to Tony Smith, he'd just brush that to one side and say it's got nothing whatsoever to do with that. They've gone through, and they have got a horrendous list of injuries, to be fair to them. Yeah. But, yeah. you know, injuries apart, well, I don't know. I don't know. I just don't know what the, the, the state of the camp is. No one will, and apart from those who are working in it, to be fair. Yeah, but the, the most confusing thing, as I've said before, was the timing. They had a semi final of the Challenge Cup coming up. Not the best time to say I'm leaving. So something's gone wrong. Who Very knows? We so. may we may find out many many years 
later. But the thing is, it's not a matter of finding out later. It's a matter of finding out why now. Indeed so. Well, we, we never will, so we just have to put that to bed. OK, state of origin now. Um, and New South Wales have done it again. They've rescued the series, having lost the first game against Queensland. I think I heard it in the commentary correctly. It's the sixth time that the Blues have had to win game two to keep the series alive. And by Jove, didn't they keep the series alive with this win? Certainly did. Um, it wasn't expected until uh, Brad Fittler, the coach, made seven changes. He doesn't mess around. He just said, well, the ones that I picked for Origin 1 just weren't up to it. To be fair, Queensland were. Um, so he had the changes. But the best change came from Matt Burton. He was outstanding on his State of Origin debut. And the reason why he was outstanding was not because of the way that he was playing, but it took away the pressure of the kicking game from Cleary, so that Cleary can do what he's done for Penrith, is controlled the attack. And it proved to be the way because Cleary was also outstanding. And it's an amazing thing for a coach to bring someone in on a debut. Now, Matt Burton's not not a guy who's, who's not been around at the top of the tree. He's had about 50-odd games whilst he was playing at Penrith, and now, of course, he's, he's gone to Canterbury. But he was a man that took the pressure off Cleary. And I think it took the pressure off a lot of players as well. And I, I think when you look at the way that they were playing, okay, the the sin binning just before half time, that's what Queensland is saying it, it had the effect because in the second half they had to do too much tackling. But when you look at the stats, and Ian Proctor will know this, is that Queensland, they missed 56 tackles. You can't expect to win a game of rugby league when you miss so many tackles like that. And they can come up with all the excuses. They said that Fittler had got to the referees. Fittler had done this. <laughs> Fittler had done that. Fittler did seven changes. Now, there's not many coaches that I know that would take a risk and do so many changes. But it paid off. And, you know, fair play to him. But it will be a cracker. Uh, it's not easy to go up to Brisbane and win up there. Do you think they it can? Will, uh, well, of course they can. They've got the ability to do that. It depends on the tactics. Uh, there's no doubt in my mind that um, a lot of the rugby league fans keep telling me, bring back the beef. Yeah. Bring back the beef. Well, I tell you what, they may get their chance in Origin 3 because this will be do or die there'll be a lot of blood spilt and it's going to be interesting to see which referee will take it there was a lot of criticism especially from the Queensland camp of Klein's refereeing and also the, the sin binning I mean it's very rare that uh, people get a sin binning for shall we say uh, 
having a nice chat to the man with the whistle. Yeah, you're talking about Kafusi, aren't you? Yeah, he was offside all the time and this and the Persi- other. Yeah. And, uh, Persistent offences, yeah, he was. Yeah, he was. and um, he had a few words to say to Clyde. Why, why players want to talk to a referee? Uh, because they've got the whistle. They'll win every time. It's no good giving them a mouthful as they, as they go back in defence or etc. and so forth. Keep your mouth shut. The man with the whistle controls you. And there's one way they control you. Say, listen, you've given me some back chat. You've given me chance because you were offside so many times. Get yourself 10 minutes. Indeed. Queensland is, mm. Queensland is saying that's the reason why they lost. I'm saying 56 tackles missed is probably a better reason why they lost. But I can't wait for State of Origin 3. I might even fly up to Brisbane and feel the atmosphere, Eddie. It'll be <laughs> fantastic. You'll have to blag yourself a ticket if you do that. There's no point flying up and not seeing it. Mind you, you can get in the pub, I suppose, and you can watch it on the telly. I suppose that's the case. Eh? Well, as you well know, we've been there several times, and uh, there's a wonderful street that goes yes. right behind um, the stadium. Yep. It's full of restaurants, top-quality wine, beers <laughs> running out through your ears, uh, and you know that a thousands go there don't even want to buy a ticket. They just want to get that atmosphere on that wonderful street, the full length at the back of that stadium. Yeah, it will. It'll be brilliant. It's well, brilliant it was when... because uh, yeah. a couple of times you went to the bar. You I... you actually bought a, <laughs> bought a round. I al- well, listen, if I'm ever in your company, I always have to buy a round. But 80,000 in Sydney, 60,000 in Perth, on the other side of the country and a full house guaranteed for the decider in Brisbane. Make a note, July the 13th. Uh, you're right, Kafusi, you know, what a contrast for him. Trying the first half, sin binned, uh, and then the game was gone when he, he came back on. Nathan Cleary, fantastic, came to the fore. Um, I'd like to talk about Cameron Munster from that first game, and he, he wasn't bad in the second match, uh, the Queensland number six. He was likened on the telly to Wally Lewis, in the aftermath of game one uh, but he was almost snuffed out by New South Wales in Perth wasn't he wasn't a Wally Lewis performance uh, no and uh, a big task a lot of pressure though it can handle it this guy is very very confident every time he, he speaks on TV or on radio um, it, <laughs> he's not short of a few words he's a great player uh, but in reverse on the first the first one Queensland shut down Cleary and on the second one Munster they shut down simple as that so it's all there just weighing it all up it's going to be the first 10 minutes of this game is going to be electric it's going to be absolutely wonderful it is it is and it's the 13th of July it's live on Sky Sports and I'm sure that uh, well I'll certainly be watching and I know well you will because you'll be either in the pubs near the ground you'll be in the ground itself or you'll be sitting at home watching it on the telly but it, it'll be a great occasion it really will great occasion and the one thing Eddie is, is that um, a lot of criticism comes out of the fact that the Aussie fans the Aussie players think this is the ultimate 
You know, the State of Origin series, that's it. There's nothing bigger, there's nothing better. Well, for once, I've been critical of the fact that the press have not been given the World Cup enough exposure in this country. The Australians, it's all State of Origin. I understand that. It's been building up over for many, many, many years. But, thankfully, the South Pacific... They had the three games last weekend on the Saturday before the State of Origin down at Perth. And for once, all the pundits, all the newspapers, the radio, the television, they concentrated on these three games, the build-up for the South Pacific in regards to the World Cup. And I was pleased because the exposure was magnificent. But not only that, the Aussies and the English now have to understand it's not going to be easy against these South Pacific sides in the World Cup. Now, Cook Islands, they struggle because most of their team come from the second grades, uh, especially in Australia. Samoa, very, very strong. Papua New Guinea, 24-14 over Fiji, absolutely superb play by by both sides but I was impressed with the way that New Zealand who played played their first test for three years they had a strong win over a very strong Tonga side 26-6 and it's the first time that they've had an international in New Zealand at Mount Smart Stadium in three years but they are looking good the fullback Joseph Manu and the centre, Rapana, will probably become big stars, huge stars in this year's World Cup. New Zealand have put down a marker, and so has Papua New Guinea. Yes, that's a heck of a win against against Fiji, but, I mean, obviously we are concentrating a little bit on the way Samoa are building up, and as you say, they walked across the the Cook Islands team 42-12. Do you think they'll trouble England? in Newcastle in October first match of course they will Samoa they beat Great Britain remember a couple of years ago on tour indeed indeed they did I remember that well last week a new winner of the World Cup was predicted by many you know and they were looking at at Tonga they were looking at Papua New Guinea Fiji Samoa Um, do you think that's a a realistic possibility Steve or is it going to be one of the big three England Australia New Zealand well they've got to start favourites haven't they but for the probably the first time you'd have to start thinking about Samoa and Papua New Guinea may upset the apple cart now Australia have got to be firm favourites you can't get away from the fact that Australia have got great great players but I was look- so impressed with the way that New Zealand uh, played. Unbelievable. And looking at that state of origin, they have got strength in depth, Australia, haven't they? They really have. Well, as I say, if, if, if the likes of Brad Fittler, who was not involved with Australia, of course, but if the likes of Brad Fittler can have seven changes and bring in seven new players, that gives you some indication. And that's only for New South Wales. Yeah. Let's not forget all the players that are playing for Queensland. 
So Australia, well, they have the riches. They, they must have at least 35 players that they can select the squad from. As any other team, any other country can do that, I doubt it. No, definitely not. Definitely not. Listen, we're coming to the end of a, another podcast. Edition 61, by the way, this 61st. Um, anything else that's caught your eye down under, Ben, before we go? Uh, well, it's all about, really, state of origin. It, that's, that's how it's been. It's as simple as that. Um, the one big smile uh, on, my, on my face was that the state of origin first won when New South Wales lost. Um, they had to make the change and Fittler did it. And we've given a lot of exposure to the, the likes of Cleary and, and Burden. But the return of the prop forward from Manly, Jake Trevojevic, he was outstanding. He didn't start. If you were watching the game, you couldn't see that the, as he made 20, 20 breaks and all that sort of thing. But his defence, his solid defence down the middle, also made the difference. And he will be selected. I was surprised that he missed out for New South Wales for the first one. But he'll be in the third one. Don't worry about that. I'm sure he will. I'm sure he will. And, and as I say, I've, we've been saying it right the way through this podcast. July the 13th, it's live on Sky. We all cannot wait. Okay, Steve, oh, look, it's time to say goodbye again. Uh, and I'd like to go out like this this week in the words of the late, great Harry Gratian. Enjoy your rugby league. We do.